Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. Howdy. <laughs> you missed your line. Line. This is, Joy. this is Joy and Claire. I still, I can't say it though, because every time we introduce ourselves, someone once said, it bugs me that you say, this is Joy and Claire, because they're like, and this is Joy and Claire. You should be like, and this is, this is Joy and Claire. If you're really. <laughs> okay. I hear you, person. I do. However, to that person, do you know that the reason this podcast is called This Is Joy and Claire is because for years and years on Girls Gone Wild, we would say this is Joy and this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. And this is Joy. And because so we wouldn't really say, from. we wouldn't really say, and this is the Girls Gone Wild podcast because like, no. duh. So I guess this we, anyway, this is Claire. Yeah. way too much time. <laughs> Way too much anyway, time introducing And also, us. I will never get over the fact that it took us like a year to put that together and be like, that should be the name of our new podcast. <sighs> it know. took a long time. Lightning strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you? I just took the dogs for a walk. And, you know, here in Denver, it's been really warm, like so 90s. Almost, actually, I'm closer to, closer to 100, which, yes, it's we know hotter other places L- yeah are other hotter, places are hot. hot we get it's hot for us we get it if you're on the east coast or if you're in a place with a ton of humidity or florida or wherever wherever you have humidity i hear you i get it i hear you and it's, it's hot humid here it's been too. humid here too anyway it's been hot took the dogs for a walk because we barely had like an 80 degree day today so we could actually get the dogs outside without burning their paws or feeling bad for heat exhaustion, which I am a stickler about. I was at the farmer's market Sunday morning and it was like 90 degrees by 9am, which is when they open. And I saw all these people with their dogs. And I was like, no, it's too hot. Unless you're just spending five minutes at the farmer's market to grab like, right, but like you know, some lettuce. Like you go to the farmer's market. You browse, you linger. You so meander. I was judging. I was judging. I was judging. But anyway, we just walked the dogs. And so now I'm like that. I have that like hot sticky feeling where you're just like, Ugh, I can't. I feel that way just from standing in my office. I turned down when I'm the only one home. I turn the thermostat up to like 75, 76 because I'm like, I don't need to be, I don't need to blast the air conditioning if I'm the only one home. Sure. But then right around this time of day, I really start to regret it. And I lived for a long time without air conditioning and I'm never going back. And I really feel for everyone who's like, having my house at 76 would be a dream. Well, that's a good that's a good question. What do you like to keep the house at? Because Scott and I oh, just had yeah. this discussion. Great question. I would say my ideal temperature. It's not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. <laughs> light jacket. Um, I would say my ideal temperature in the summer is seventy two, and in the winter, thermostat temperature, and in the winter is like sixty nine seventy. Oh, okay. We're not too far off. So we had this debate. We got. We got AC a few years ago. We, you know, growing, not growing up, but living in Denver, I'd say for the past 20 years I've been here, we've never, I wouldn't say you didn't need it, but because I grew up in Arizona, I was like, this is nothing compared to Arizona. You and didn't so, used to need it in Denver. It's just that the climate is really it's taking a dump and you know, we are just ruining the world. the earth from the inside out. Yeah. But so, truly growing up in here, I mean, I'm, I live 15 minutes away from where I grew up. In the 90s, we had maybe... Fewer than 10 days a year that got over 90 degrees, I would say. This is anecdotal, not scientific, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. every, like, no one had air conditioning and everyone had attic fans. Yes. And so during the, at night, you just open all your windows, turn on your attic fan, and your it house takes... would get cooled way down because it would get down to the 50s every single night. Right. And every single day, you'd have like, a, it would be sunny and hot until like two. And then every day at between two and four o'clock, a rainstorm would come in. Yes. And it would cool everything down. Yep. I feel like we talked about this last week. We didn't. No, no, we did not. 
We just um, talked about how we haven't gotten a lot of rain, and I really do miss the th- the afternoon thunderstorms. Although I yeah. don't miss it for JT, but I do miss it for our plants. Yeah, it's really sad. So anyway, anyway, it's been hot, and you're hot. So and it's been hot, and, and we're sticky. Oh, but you, what's thermostat. Your, what's your, yeah. So my so Scott and I got an AC unit a few years ago. We bought this house. It just had one of those swamp coolers, blah, blah, blah. And so we were like dying one summer when it was just like getting hotter and hotter. So we now keep it. So I like it at 73 because I have this rule. And because we both work from home, it's like, you know, we kind of have it running throughout the day. But I have this rule where I'm like, you shouldn't like need a blanket if you're running your AC. Like that's kind of (laughs) like you're kind of wasting energy. So the other night we're like laying on the couch and Scott has like this huge blanket on him. And I was like, we do not need this house at 72. So we're like sitting at a 73. It's a little, little, I wouldn't say warm, but like this time of day, we're recording like around four o'clock. This is like it the time of day. Stuffy. It gets, yeah, it gets a little stuffy this time of day. So anyway, but when I was in Arizona, I remember staying at my friend's house and I was like, oh, what do they keep it at? So they keep it at, because it's Arizona and it, like their bills would be thousands and thousands of dollars. They keep it at 78 during the day, but you keep all of your like windows closed. And Scott made fun of me too. He's like, why do you keep all the windows closed all the time? Because it keeps them like, yeah. Anyway, so, and then that night they they do 74. So I'm like, all right. And then they have a bunch of fans, which we have like, we have like five fans going in our bedroom at night. Like I need it Arctic blasting. I can't do that much wind on my Really? It's like a sensory (laughs) overload for me. Like I can't. Oh, Okay have the air moving that much we have a ceiling fan and i'll wait till brandon goes to sleep and i'll get up and turn it off <laughs> really i can't i hate poor I thing he's have... probably waking up and like sweating on his pillow well he can deal with it because <laughs> i cannot fall asleep <laughs> with that much so air. mad and we have all of our bedrooms in this house have ceiling fans so the kids fans are on but yeah like last night let me tell this little story. We bought this rug from Craigslist, this like gigantic, really nice Persian rug for $300. And I was like, this is a steal. And on the thing, it said they just had it cleaned. There's no possible way they had just had this thing cleaned. It is so dirty and it smells so bad. No. It smells like that load of laundry that you forgot about in the washer for a little bit too long before you put it in the dryer, but you thought you were just going to risk it yeah. and dry it anyway. It's a little musty, dingy, it's, musty. It's to the point where like, we had to put it outside. We couldn't even have it in the in the room. Oh. So, so they lied. They lied. They definitely lied. liars. And what? But for the first evening that we had it unfurled, I thought maybe it just needs to air out. So I took like a little tabletop fan, you know, just like a little oscillating one. Yeah. And put it on the floor next to it, thinking like, let's just get some air in here. <laughs> and so. Miles turned it around so it would blow on us during dinner, and I had to turn it off. I was like, this is distracting. I can't have this. Oh, air that's on so me. interesting. Sometimes I get weird about the fan above us at dinner time because there's something about the cold air blowing on me while I'm eating dinner. Gosh, yeah. we were just turning into very weird particular humans. Remember in our 20s when nothing bothered us and I could sleep nothing. on a floor before yeah. running a marathon? Like now I need certain now fans and certain like <laughs> noises and sound machines. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. This is what happens. This is how people end up in their 70s and 80s being like this is like my dad like, who's like turn down that music yep. this is exactly how i need things uh-huh. and he Which uses a special fork to eat like certain meals that yeah it's this is how it happens you know what you like you really do so so we're hot everyone's hot no matter where you are maybe not in australia <laughs> maybe if you're in the other hemisphere congratulations <laughs> talk to you in six months okay so we had a listener 
reach out on DM and they had an interesting question. And this is a topic that we covered a little bit ongoing over the last few years as it relates to vaccines and anti-vaccine, as it relates to COVID deniers, as it relates to racism, white supremacy, as it relates to the election or related to the election. The topic is how to deal with people who are close to you in your life who fundamentally disagree with you on things, on issues that you feel to be extremely important. And particular to this person, they wrote us and said, hey, my very best friend of 10 years, I just realized that she is pro-life and I am pro-choice. And it just has never come up before. And I was expressing that I was really upset about the Roe v. Wade um, ruling and Roe v. Wade being struck down. And she basically said like, well, I don't really want to talk to you about this because I actually am really glad that it was struck down. And she's like, I just don't really know what to do. And this is so tricky. And I think, you know, we have been, we collectively as a society have been put in this position more and more in the last few years as more and more polarizing issues have just gotten, I feel like they've kind of sort of like all came up at once. Yeah. And, I think and I think anytime you have something like this, you know, we talked about it two weeks ago now around the fact that abortion is one of those issues that is particularly hard because at its core is a fundamental belief that you either have or don't have based on a lot of factors, maybe based on your, you know, a lot of times based on your religion, religious upbringing, but also based on your lived experiences, based on just a lot of very personal factors that really begs the, like, ask the question, when do you believe life begins? That is not something that is easily an opinion that is easily changed. And I think that's what makes abortion in particular that much trickier is because you can't point to someone's like political policies and show empirically that they're damaging, or you can't point to COVID data and show empirically, you know, there's no, there is no data around when quote unquote, when life begins, right? Like that's the whole, that's the crux of the whole, yeah. one of the main cruxes of the issues. Right. So what do you think? What would you do if you're in this person's position? If, if I wouldn't, if you just found out that you're afraid, well, Scott and I've been talking a lot about this too. Let me just preface this whole conversation again by everyone's got an opinion. Everyone has belief systems. Everyone has, uh, this is, this is Claire and I talking through stuff in real time. We're trying to be as mindful and compassionate as possible. So just keep that in mind as we have these conversations. But Scott and I had this conversation when we found out that Roe was overturned. Scott had a really hard time. We went and got a meal and a drink, a big, heavy drink, which again, haven't really been drinking. And it was a very hard, like heavy pour, but we were both like, I, I need a drink. All I could think was, I think the guy at the bar gave me like this huge glass of wine because I'm sure he was like, all women just need to get like obliterated tonight. I mean, not really, but that was kind of my thinking because I was like, this is a lot of wine. In any event, please withhold judgments, <laughs> even though I judge people who walk their dogs in the heat. But <laughs> this is just us talking it out. I'm sharing like more of a private moment with you guys. So just please keep that in mind and be and kind. Hold on. As a side note, one time somebody was like, Joy doesn't want people to judge her. She only wants to judge other people. And I was like, everyone literally feels that way. Literally everyone thinks that. And this is so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Negative feedback received and acknowledged. Yes, correct. <sighs> Yeah, that's, Joy that's doesn't want to. Yeah, do. so funny. That's People right. are funny. No more, mm. no more disclaimers. Go ahead. No, yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, and someone also said one time, they're like, "Stop apologizing for your opinions." I'm like, I know, I probably do that too. And it's just a way for me to protect myself. Okay, continue. So we were talking in the car, and he's like, "I just have a hard time believing, or I have a hard time with women who are pro-life." 
He's like, I don't understand it. I don't. So we were kind of talking this through. He's like, how can you be a woman who's pro-life? Because we saw all these arguments and we were just kind of having that discussion. And I kept thinking, so we were trying to break it down. Like, is it the belief system? Is it that you're raised a certain way and you just can't see past it? Is it a narrow view about life? Is it, you know, and and again, we're coming at it from a lens of we're both very pro-choice and believe that a woman has a right to her own body. Like that's, the bottom line is no one else can tell you what to do with your body, period, the end. And so he's like, I just don't understand that. So what we come to when we have these discussions is like, when perhaps you bump up against someone who's pro-life, and you try to understand, like, if you just try to understand, and not to be cheesy, like come from curiosity, that is a better outcome if you come from curiosity, like no matter what the discussion, I think you can have like healthy debates about it. But when you what we whittled it down to, honestly, and this is Scott's view of the world, which I really appreciate. And I don't, you know, not everyone's going to agree, but I, I think the way he thinks is very critical. He's a critical thinker. He is like, he's Jesuit educated. And I think that when he looks at things, he is always picking apart how to think about something critically. He and I talked about this. I'm not because I, I agree with him. What it comes down for me is we aren't thinking about things critically. And if you have a very hard and fast ingrained belief, and this could go back to like, I think about Zach Anderson's episode where you just don't have a broader view of the world. Because I think if we all exposed ourselves to more, to more people, to more opinions, to more views, then we would have a better understanding, not for the purpose, do not mistake this, not for the purpose of trying to change our mind, but trying to understand more of the argument. And that's kind of where we, where we landed for, for now. I think that is really the key. And I think it's, you know, goes back to our pal JK, like help me understand. And I was thinking about this before we started recording and how I would answer it. And I think this also comes back though to something that when it comes to like approaching a conversation in order really to try to understand someone's point of view and really get more information about where they're coming from, doing that in a truly neutral way takes a lot of work and is very hard because I think at the end of the day, for something that is so personal like this, and and even if it's not personal to you, even if you know this is not something that is a personal experience you've had, but if it's it still feels, I think to a lot of women like a personal attack, that it's really hard to go into an, a conversation like that completely open to the fact that the other person may never change their mind, and that's a really vulnerable position to be in, you know. And I think that in some ways we often go into those conversations thinking like. I'm going to hear your side of the story so that I have, so that I can better counter your point. Or I'm going to explain myself because I think that by the, if you really understood me, you would think I was right. I think that's natural to feel that way. And I also think that ultimately it really comes down to like, is this a make or break issue for you? I'm not sure that I could have a super close friend, you know, maybe like, I don't, I don't know if I, how I would feel if my, very best friend of a decade disagreed with me on something like this. I don't, you know, don't know for sure that it would be make or break, but it would really, I think, bring up a lot more questions. I think that is the other thing. And like kind of you and Scott were talking about, like, it's just really about who gets to make decisions about your body. And I think that's the other thing for me is that for people who are really stringently pro-life, 
the questions that I then think of are like, okay, well, what else does that mean then about the rest of your beliefs? And what else then does that imply about what you believe to be the scope of my bodily autonomy or the government's abilities to regulate me and especially the rights of other groups? Like, then how do you feel about gay marriage and, uh, you know, even just same sex relationships and women's rights as a whole? You know, like it does feel like a very slippery slope. And it, is one of those things where I, not ironically, but oddly, I do feel like a lot of people are like, no, I feel fine with all those other issues. It's really just abortion that is the hot button topic. And it does go back to that, you know, protection of life question. But I think that to me would be the other question that would then always be in the back of my mind of like, okay, well then do you also have other conservative beliefs that I'm not aware of that might really in like give me a different opinion of your worldview? So what if... Let's take this, like, speaking of critical thinking, like, so if a friend, if a close friend has this belief system, and you do find out that they have other belief systems that are just very, very different from yours, do you not stay friends with that person? Or do you try to understand? And and I want to, I'm going to link this in our show notes. Again, that's if you just click on the episode and see the notes that we put on this episode, an article that I kind of had a hard time even sharing, but I think it's good to like, think about things. I had a hard time sharing just because it's written by Adam Grant, who's a straight cis white guy. (laughs) So but but I, I really, I do appreciate his opinion about things. And he's very smart, very well researched. And I think he has good things to say about just critical thinking in general. But he wrote an article, more like a blog post about how to argue about abortion. And it it really does kind of whittle down to what we were just talking about was like, it's channeling these emotions, not into like outrage against each other, but reexamining your own beliefs. And we've kind of been saying this this whole time, even when Trump was in office of like examining your beliefs, really trying to understand because everyone just gets really upset and lashes out at each other. But, you know, in the spirit of critical thinking, what if someone that maybe is a close friend of yours who is like, hey, guess what? I'm really struggling with this. I, I need to talk to you about it. I These are my beliefs and I know they're very different. How do, how do we move forward with the relationship? Like, does every friend have to have the same values and beliefs? No, and you? I think that that's what I mean by like, you need to decide personally, like how big of a deal this is to you. And I think there are a lot of, I think you could have a very strong relationship that would be built on knowing that, you know, you respectfully disagree on topics. And I think that, you know, I definitely have friends who don't agree with me on a lot of things. I think I'm very far left in a lot of ways that is even more to the extreme than a lot of other people, even though, you know, I'm from Boulder, like it's very not to just say like, well, you know, I'm from Boulder, whatever, not to like brush it under the rug, but just yeah, like, but the amount it's of true. like you were, that you I were grew exposed up with, to a very liberal I up, world. I mean, very liberal and you know and also like very john hay um, and his tinctures honestly which, truly okay, though, like hold yeah, on. tinctures or don't medicine. let me yes don't let me forget about this i saw something on your personal stories that i've been meaning to ask and i don't want to forget like some type of thing that he made for you some concoction oh i yeah the golden seal will you talk about that later okay yeah so i i mean i think i do take for granted that i had that upbringing that was very liberal and very yeah i mean very like personal rights and very like personal rights but also like equality I would, I, would all, I would call it like community rights like yeah. you know really like raised in a town that was very much for like public services and and but also very much for 
autonomy in that way as well. And I think that I, so I think the, you know, the underlying thing about me is that I would never, it would be really hard to get to the point where you've been friends with me for 10 years and don't know that these are my thoughts. I talk about it on this, you know, internationally distributed podcast that I have (laughs) post about it on Instagram all the time. Like you would really have to be hell bent on ignoring my opinions if you didn't know what they were. But I think a good example of this would be vaccines. I'm very pro-vaccine. I am very pro-medical research. I don't think that I am capable of doing the level of research that goes into approving vaccines and approving vaccine schedules. I know that that is an unpopular, you know, especially in Boulder is not a very popular way to think about vaccines. A lot of people pick and choose what they want to do if they do it at all, or they do it on a delayed schedule. I am just, that is not my approach. I have gotten, not necessarily gotten into it with friends, but, you know, have definitely been the recipient of criticism for being outspoken against vaccines on my personal Instagram, you know, in particular have one person who her child like had an autoimmune reaction to a vaccine when she was really young. And now she has some complicated food allergies and they think that they were related. And so, you know, I'm not saying that that sort of thing can't happen, but in that scenario, I was not super close to that person. So it didn't really affect me that much, but in that scenario, it usually does create an opportunity for me to like, I will say that after engaging in a lot of those conversations, my beliefs about it, about vaccines are way less black and white. I think it can go either way. You know, I think the thing that you like, while on the one hand, going into a conversation about something like abortion with your friend and saying, Hey, you know, I want you to understand where I'm coming from on the one hand, like it's hard to do that from a neutral standpoint and you do have to go into it with no agenda. But on the other hand, like you might hear something that surprises you and you might say something that surprises them. And it might be an opportunity for that other person to start thinking, okay, well, if this if this friend who I love and respect really disagrees with me on this belief, maybe I'm going to re-examine that belief. That can't really be your goal. I think that it's definitely, I know it's happened to me from the other side of the table. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to remind myself all the time when I'm having these discussions is I will find myself getting defensive or feeling like people are going to attack. And I always have to remind myself, like, this is just, we're just trying to, we all come from somewhere. We all come from somewhere with the beliefs that we've been raised with, been exposed to. I have to remind myself, like, we, I really want to try to understand, again, JK. Love it. I love JK's podcast. If you JK's the person, we're not saying just kidding. Yeah, yeah. JK. If you're not familiar. JK with Cloud's podcast, Help Me Understand Podcast is just the, I mean, it's the best concept of just like really digging into questions that you really want to know more about. And I take that stance all the time. I find myself thinking like, help me understand, like, where is this person coming from? You know, it may be fear. It may be there's just that's just how you were raised and that's the doctrine or, you know, there's just so many ways that you can develop a belief system. But I think where it gets in, it gets scary for all of us, myself included. And I have to check myself of like, oh, am I just believing this? Why do I believe this? And digging a little bit deeper. But going back to Zach's episode, where sometimes asking those questions will make you doubt the belief system you've held for so long. And that's very scary. If you have upheld a belief system that has been the foundation of who you are, that's terrifying. So, you know, no secret, I grew up in a Mormon town, and I have all my friends there who 
we didn't really talk politics when all that stuff was going on. But one of them was very vocal on Facebook. And I really doubt she listens to this podcast. But love you. Love you so much. I've known her since, you know, junior high, but very vocal in a very like, just that kind of like aggressive Trump stance, like very confrontational. Very comfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's not who she is as a person, but that's just like how she showed up on social media. And I remember being, I'm like, I had to mute her. I had to just mute it because I'm like, I can't help. I can't let this, I had to like separate her from the belief system because I'm like, I love her so much as a person, but I can't get on board with this belief system. And at one point we started something that I had posted. She kind of like jumped into the comments, not comments, like a private message, like a DM and was just like really going after it. And I just felt myself react with this like uh, anxious, angry, I'm like, this is not going to get you anywhere. Like we just, we're not going to convince each other otherwise. And so I just had to be like, I respect that you have like these very passionate beliefs and I think completely different and here's why. And I try to like provide some resources of where I'm coming from. And no amount of resources slash research articles slash sources that you cite are going to convince the person. But I always feel like this is where I come from. If you want to know more of like where I come from, I'm not trying to change your mind. But I think it's important that you kind of read a little bit more before maybe jumping to conclusions. And every time I say that, I think of the jump to conclusions map from Office Space. I can't help it. So, <laughs> so anyway, it's it's going to come up in our lives. And I think we're all going to handle differently. And some people are going to be like, nope, hard line. I can't, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people in therapy who have a really hard time when they're some family members are like anti-vaccine and they're pro-vaccine. It creates like this big crater in between them. They're like, we don't know how to handle it. We can't invite them over. And then they make fun of us because, you know, so it's like, all of these things are creating big divides when I really think that we could do better about listening, critical thinking, not to simplify it, but you guys get what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think, I hope for the person who asked this question, I mean, when I wrote back to her, I was like, yeah, we'll definitely talk about this. I was like, I don't think we're going to come up with an answer, but maybe this helps you. My guess is that you have a gut instinct about which way you do want to take this or which way you feel like it's going to go. And maybe this has helped you feel either affirmed or get some more questions about what to ask. And it is hard when it's somebody who's so close, you know, it's one thing to like mute your childhood friend on Facebook versus like somebody who would be a real, you know, absence in your life if you ties with them. And so, I mean, I think the biggest thing, and I feel like I really, this was a huge takeaway for me not to like, I think this, I think abortion is a much bigger a more contentious issue than the whole like Greg Glassman thing in 2020. But the real, I think that the Greg Glassman thing in 2020 really did teach me that like jumping into cutting people off or canceling people or, you know, jumping to de-affiliate or whatever right off the, like having knee-jerk reactions is rarely the answer. I think it's one thing to like really say to, if something like feels like the last straw and you need to give an ultimatum, but it doesn't sound like that's a situation that you're in right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a good point. I just wanted to add because I think a little bit more around when they're when people have like the cancel culture, which I don't always agree with. But I think let's t- take Greg Glassman's case. <laughs> the, the CrossFit fan is waiting outside. But I think there was a buildup of frustration that was sure. ready. I, that's what I, yeah. I like the ultimatum like, where sometimes like, it's the last straw. Yeah. And, and I feel like that is, yeah. that is where, and I've seen this happen before. So I feel like cancel culture is more about people waiting 
on social media or waiting in the wings for someone to be taken down because they see and feel the disingenuous behind the person kind of like Rachel Hollis. I was waiting. I was like, Oh my gosh, this girl I've saw, I saw through her from day one. And I was like, I'm waiting for this takedown. When it happened, I was like, good, good. She like the true colors eventually came out and I saw it coming. And I was like, personally, very excited about it. Cause I'm like, I hate people who have a platform like this. And so I saw that with Greg Glassman, like there was just a buildup. There was a last straw. I yeah, and I did that. I guess I didn't mean to like bring up bring that. It was more just like in that time frame when I watched that happen. Sure, it gave me a lot more. It was the first time I'd ever really been that close to a community that was having like a wild knee jerk reaction to something. Sure. And I'm not saying that it was like all the wrong call for everyone, but it definitely just. I what think do you mean? When it, what do you mean the wrong call? Sorry, I'm getting I'm getting twirled up in what you're saying. I'm getting confused. Oh, I'm just saying like I don't think that canceling Greg Glassman was the wrong call and oh, for everyone. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I am saying that like having had that experience and being close to the CrossFit community during that time and watching a lot of gym owners up close go through this like should I or shouldn't I right. affiliate right was right. sort of like hey it's not always the it's not always the right call to just have to that just say your cancel reaction right. it doesn't sound like that's what this person is saying you know it doesn't sound like they're basically they weren't asking like should i cut ties with them or not but i think when it comes to these personal decisions and these personal relationships the answer is rarely to get you know give an ultimatum and cut ties right off the bat and yes. again that's personal but yeah yeah, I, I think okay. that's. I think that is a very interesting. I don't think cancel culture is like all or nothing either. I think there's so much behind it, and I'm gonna just barely mention this. But if you think about, you want to talk about cancel culture, the Amber Heard and Charlie. No, <laughs> Charlie she. <laughs> Your brain started to say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but you meant was Johnny Depp. <laughs> Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I don't mean to laugh. This is not a funny thing, but like. People, if there was like some animosity and hate towards Johnny Depp, then he would be canceled. But they went for Amber Heard. And that that just drove me nuts. Anyway, so I think there's just more of like the collective belief and feeling behind someone. You know, everyone wants the Kardashians to fail, like something to happen so that they come crashing down. Like there's just something there. And I don't know. It's it's a very interesting behavioral thing to watch. So, okay, let's All right, let's, let's take a breather. Let's take a breather with let's our favorite people, Ned. Ned, this is our Ned song. Da, da, da. <laughs> I was going to start clapping, but, you know. It just, doesn't come across. It doesn't come book. across the same. Nope. All right, guys. I just finished probably my fifth bottle of the Ned Daily Blend that I've ever had. And it does last for a while. I take it every single night and a bottle will get me probably through close to two months with like a full dropper full every night. So it's a good value. If you think about the other products that you buy, the other supplements that you buy, the other sleep products that you buy, or even I put it in the realm of like skincare products. If I'm going to be buying an item like that, that really is, I view it as a wellness item. Two months is a good value to get out of that, in my opinion. So check out Ned. They are the makers of our favorite CBD products. Again, I really think of it as a wellness product. It really does feel luxurious when I take it at night. And I really have come to love my little bedtime routine where I take my mellow, which is their magnesium and botanicals blend. And it's a drink powder. It tastes delicious. I recommend the Meyer lemon. I take that about an hour before I go to bed. And then I take my CBD right after I brush my teeth, which if you are worried about the skunky flavor, you can take it right before, but I take it right after because I'm weird. And I love the combination of the flavors. I I'm think just that's like, come so to funny. Really appreciate it. <laughs> 
And then I go to bed and I fall asleep right away. And I stay asleep all night based on what we were just talking about, based on the last two years. Stress is a big presence in our lives all the time, whether, you know, small things or big things and everything in between. I think this is an amazing tool in the toolbox. It is one of my most, my most used, most um, consistent tools that I use. And I really just think that it's so important to prioritize your sleep. And that's the other thing that I really looked to this for is helping me get to sleep and stay asleep so that I can be in the best place mentally as I can to take on all that stress and take on all the like fresh horrors. <laughs> fresh horrors of the day. And I think that horrors, horrors, just to be Not clear. Fresh horrors. Yeah. And I think the moving the needle just a little bit can make a really big impact. I love the sleep blend. Great, great sleep. Please support our podcast by supporting our great sponsors, Ned. You can go to helloned.com forward slash joy to get 15% off your order. That's helloned, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy to get 15% off your order. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring our podcast. All right. Well, you may or may not be aware, but this week is the ninth anniversary of our podcast. Not of this podcast, but of us being podcasters. Yeah, in the universe, in the podcast verse, which only like 10 podcasts existed. And I remember we were like, I I know, I would be curious to know, like, I know we did make the charts, we made a splash because it was a small pond. But I would also be curious to know, I really think that there's a high probability that we are the longest running female hosted indie podcast in the world. Well, we got a a message from someone. Did you see that that DM? I can't remember where it is. But it was a DM from someone that was like, you've got you've got a ways to go from so and so. So apparently there's another gal. Is that an indie podcast? No, she's got a she's got like a tech. Let me see. Maybe it's in the comments. It's a it sounds like it's like a tech podcast. So I'm not saying that there aren't syndicated podcasts that have been out there longer. <laughs> we are the best and we are the longest. I'm just saying that those podcasts have money behind them and that's those, that is those people's jobs. It's someone said, okay, so it says you have a few years to go to catch up to Podfeet, but I appreciate your endurance. So Podfeet is Allison Sheridan, tech podcaster and blogger with an ever so slight Apple bias, retired engineer, avid exerciser, dog and cat owner, and wife of S.P. Sheridan. So Podfeet, we'll have to check that out. Apparently, she is also an indie podcaster. Yeah, so it looks like she's one of the OGs and we would love to meet her. As part of celebrating our nine years of podcasting, I always like to throw this tip out there because I think it's fun that we've only missed two episodes. We missed one episode the week that I got married and then we chose not to release an episode the week after George Floyd was killed and we just didn't feel like we could add to that conversation. And we have never missed an episode other than that. We reach out or we post on Instagram and ask people to share their favorite moments. And I always love when we do this. And there's always like a lot of repeats because they're, you but know, they're pretty, the best moments are pretty universal. Like people loved the Papa Labe comment, yeah, which if you're not context. familiar, we were talking about whether you, we exercise with or without underwear. And I was like, I always wear underwear when I exercise because I don't want to pop a Labe. Mm-hmm. Cause <gasps> some of those shorts are real short Those and shorts are so short. Yeah. You really could pop a Labe. You know what? You really could pop a Labe. <laughs> <laughs> Bad news all around. Also, in our very first episode where I asked, or I said that I didn't know who he was when talking about Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar, and you're like, I "I don't know who he is. Is that a band? Is that a band? Um, I also, I mean, the the most recent one with the bread kneading really came up a lot, which that was a true belly laugh moment. That was so funny. And when you you posted 
that Instagram the video. Of it, like of it later on that week. I literally cried laughing watching it. Yeah. I was there for the original. Yeah. <laughs> It happened to me, <laughs> but and I still cried laughing. The visual was even better. Like, if you hear it on the show, it was funny. But the fact that all of a sudden you're like, I'm like, what are you doing? What is she doing down there? And then, like, up pops this huge bowl of dough. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. Looks like you're kneading bread. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Someone said, um, classic comment, I like my porn porny. I don't remember that. I don't remember I that. I think that was recent. Really? You probably blocked it out because... Because I can't take it? you're <laughs> afraid of people knowing that you have sex. <laughs> I was mortified um, about that PMD thing, by the oh, way. Please, I was like... Please tell that story. Uh, so I've been wanting one of those PMD microdermabrasion tools. If you don't know what it is, just Google it. They've sold them at Nordstrom and Sephora. Basically, like, if you go get a facial and they do that, like, vacuum thing on your face, it, like, feels really good and, like, takes off all the dead skin, whatever. And so I've been wanting one forever, but they're kind of expensive. And I just, like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to spend money on that right now. I don't spend a lot of money on things, guys. So I was, like, okay, Nordstrom sale. It's $100 off. I think I want to get it. Early birthday present. I get it. And I posted some things that I got at the Nordstrom sale yesterday. And I posted a picture of the PMD microdermabrasion tool. And it does look like a vibrator. But I didn't really even think about that because I'm like, it clearly says on the box. It's not like I'm just holding it in my hand. It was the box cover. It would never run through Joy's mind that anyone would think that she was posting a photo of a vibrator. Not even that you were like, oh, no. no one will think this. Like it, it didn't no, it didn't even cross my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, everyone knows these PMD tools because they're like, everyone knows them. That's what I'm thinking. Everyone knows what that is. Next thing I know, people are like, oh my gosh, I thought this was a vibrator. And I was like, go joy. And then tons of comments are rolling in about how it's a vibrator. And I was like, oh my God, you guys. The Catholic girl in me was mortified, mortified. So then, of course, I have to get, I was all curious to see if Nordstrom actually sold vibrators, which they do. Fun fact. And oh my gosh. And then somebody wrote the DM and they were like, turns out Nordstrom actually sells butt plugs. And she was like, I guess I don't know if I wanted a luxury butt plug. I might as well get it at Nordstrom. But it was just jarring to see it in a Facebook ad, like as you're scrolling through, like handbags, face cream, butt plugs. (laughs) Now everyone's going to get those. I know. Sorry. Because you're listening to this podcast, you are now going to get targeted ads for sex toys. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, we could all use a little stress relief. We'll just you know put what? It that way. Let's just, let's just, that's a fact. But that was really funny. Okay. Pat Benatar, Dave Grohl, or Andre Agassi? I don't, you didn't know who Dave Grohl was? Oh, you didn't know who Dave Grohl was? I still don't know who that is. Oh my God, I can't. I can't. She, when I read that comment, I was like, well, that one didn't stick. Oh, or Andre Agassi. Right. Like all of these, I just, yeah. Who are they? You really don't know who they No, I really don't know, Joy. This is like the time in our text messages when you referred to Madge, and I was like, who's Madge? And you were like, oh, you guys, no. Claire didn't know who Madge was. Madonna? Yeah, for all you 35 and unders out there, it's Madonna. Apparently, it's her 1980s nickname. I was like, Madge, and Claire was like, who's Madge? Oh, God. Okay. Dave Grohl is the lead singer of the Foo Fighters, originally the drummer in Nirvana, and he's amazing. Thank you for telling me that. But he's like just an amazing human. Like he's an amazing human. Anyway, and then they just I'm lost really the drummer. Happy for him. They just lost. I did the drummer. hear about that yeah, on that Instagram. Was just tragic. Uh, Andre Agassi is a tennis player. Like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna know that one. Oh, you're not. Well, I mean, I don't. I'm not into tennis, but 
But you like watch sport. You and Scott like watch. We don't watch tennis, but the only reason I really got into him was because he's like the Dennis Rodman of tennis. Oh, okay. Okay. You know who Dennis Rodman is. I know who Dennis Rodman is. Yes. So he's an eight time major champion, Olympic gold medalist, runner up in all these majors. And he wrote one of the most amazing memoirs. I don't know why I just chose to read this memoir, but it goes up there, top two memoirs of all time so far. Andre Agassi's open. And Anthony Kiedis's book is so good. Like their memoirs are just amazing. And so is Nirvana's. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to everyone out there that I don't know any pop references ever, but at least it sounds like it's memorable. It is. So it is good. Okay. We're so you didn't know. We have been here for nine years. We're going to keep doing it. Oh, by the way, hot update about our threat to do Bake Off episodes. The Mary Berry years are no longer available on Netflix. That's just so sad. Tragic. Truly tragic. So if anyone out there can tell us how to pirate the older Bake Off episodes, I am up for some international piracy of baking, please. Or if you want to like send us a VHS recording of it, that would be great because do you have a VHS I don't really player? care to like recap the more recent episodes. I want to go back. I want to do a Mary Berry episode. Mary I Berry do would the be naughty really ep. good. Yeah. yeah. The naughty. All right. So we have a few questions left over from, oh wait, first I got to tell you about Golden Seal. Yes, please. Didn't I already talk about this? No. So you put it on I, your stories and I was like, what is he making? All right, guys. So in case you don't know, I was raised by a hippie named John Hay, who was the original yuppie and invented celestial seasonings, literally. Throughout my life as a child, I was never, I mean, sometimes I was taken to the doctor for like vaccines, but I was not taken to the doctor for ailments. I was taken to the chiropractor and I was not really given, like I have been taking supplements and tinctures since I was a little kid. My dad is a hilarious boulder conundrum. He literally, he's from Long Island. He was driving out to California where his sisters lived in the sixties. He had this Italian sports car and he was driving out through Boulder. He stopped in Boulder for some reason. He drove up Boulder Canyon. His car broke down. They didn't have a part available. It was going to take him a month to get here because it was like an exotic foreign car. And then he just never left. So that's the story of how John Hay got to Boulder. So all that to say that he has like a very East Coast upbringing, like he went to Choate, then became the original yuppie. Imagine the scene of me sitting on my dad's like back porch while he's wearing a Brooks Brothers polo, like golf shorts, opening up a capsule of golden seal, powdered golden seal root and putting it on a giant bandaid that he's just like spread vitamin E all over. So my dad, my whole life, he will take those like little capsules of vitamin E, pop it open with his mouth and then like squeeze it onto your wounds. That's his basically version of Neosporin. I never used Neosporin as a child. I only used oh, these like Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I, so I had this like gross cyst, which I get these from time to time in my armpits and I've had them checked out. They're just little cysts. And normally what happens is that they're like the size of like a, they feel like maybe like a frozen pea and they're, they'll just hang out there for like a year. And then one day I'll wake up and it'll be really inflamed and it will have basically burst. Sorry for the gross words. It'll hurt for like a day and then it'll go away. This time I, this happened to me about two weeks after I finished testing positive for COVID. And I have been hearing from folks that once I started talking about this, um, a lot of my friends are like, oh yeah, about two weeks after I had COVID, I had this rash or I broke out into hives. There is sort of like a naturopathic ex- explanation that that is about the time that the actual like virus die off really occurs. And so that is one of the theories. And so I'm kind of wondering if that's what was happening. Anyway, I had this gross cyst. It wasn't going away. I didn't want to have to spend like $500 to go to urgent care to get it drained. 
So I was at my dad's house and he was like, oh, we'll just put a golden seal compress on it. So he went and like got his giant Band-Aid, popped open a thick capsule of vitamin E, opened up the golden seal because he just has like a giant basket full of random herbs all the time sitting I on his would, table. You need to take a picture of that next time. I think you have sent a picture of it. I should, I remember, yeah. I, like for most like, people, it's the type of basket that you would use for like fruits and vegetables. And for my dad, it's just pull, full of like tinctures and supplement bottles. I'm kind of becoming your dad though. And I appreciate I mean, it. Yeah. It's a good look. <laughs> and then I put the hardest part about it was that because your armpit is like sort of a damp area, the band aid didn't stick. But then that's where being married to a surgical nurse comes in handy because I don't know, Brandon always brings home like random stuff. And so he had this <laughs> like what? <laughs> like he like he'll bring home like um not tagaderm, although we do have tagaderm. You know that like kind of ace bandagey stuff that sticks to itself that they put on your arm. Yes, after you draw blood. After you draw blood. Like we have a ton of that. Great. Um, he brought home because a lot of times what will happen is they will open up packets of things and they won't use all of it and it's like still completely sterile. It's not like a take home free box, but it's sort of like, hey, if you guys like, you know, I don't really understand the situation, but it's like <laughs> apparently fine for him to take this stuff home. Like it's already been sort of like taken right. out of the sure inventory for whatever reason it's already been opened but it never was you whatever and so he'll he brings home just like random little supplies like that so i was able to get it to stick to my armpit and it worked i it was between that and then i also was taking this tincture called like it went away yeah it went away so after like three or four days it went away that's crazy it's like okay so it was a band-aid of golden seal Golden seal root, golden golden seal root powder, and vitamin E. And golden seal is no, a known like antibacterial herb. Right. There are a ton of herbs and botanicals out there that are anti either an, antifungal and or antibacterial. And but my dad was like, oh, it'll draw it out. I don't know if the claims of that are necessarily accurate, but I kind of was like, hey, it can't hurt for me to keep this thing clean. Yeah, we're not really we're not giving dirt. medical advice here. Yeah. We're just talking about John Hay. Right. Who it's like really it knows can't hurt to keep the clean because it's in my armpit, so it's not staying clean. Right. And the tincture is called Detoxifier by Newton Homeopathics. So I was taking that. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. So you, you were ingesting it. that where that was what was I on. I was ingesting the tincture and then I had the oh. golden seal on my armpit band-aid. Interesting. God, I love John you know Hay. I've been really into the Wish Garden ladies, and they're in oh, Boulder. Oh, yeah. Does he know them? Is, oh, are I'm they, sure he does. Are yeah. they, I'm like, he mm-hmm. should, we should go hang out with John Hay in the Wish Garden. Yeah. I'm like loving their tinctures. Uh, okay. So questions from people. Do we have time for one? Yeah, or we two? have a couple. Okay. We have time for a couple. So a couple weeks ago, we asked for some funny questions. You guys really delivered. We have a lot left that we never asked. Here we go. Are you pro or anti-parade? <laughs> this feels like a loaded question, actually, after 4th of July. Oh, Cut that, cut that, cut yeah. that. Cut. Okay, I'm cut, totally, cut, cut. I'm stealing from, if you ever listen to Sunny, it's always Sunny in Philadelphia. Their podcast is, they're, they're so funny, but um, they always, if they catch themselves saying something that they're like, whoops, they're like, cut that, cut that, cut that. And then they never cut it. They're they all, oh, cut that, cut that, cut that. All right, uh, <laughs> let's, let's reframe. Coolest dinosaur. Coolest dinosaur. Hmm. I love Jurassic Park. What is the one that like attacks where he they like come up and they like velociraptors. Is that the one where they like dis- distract you with their like wings, <laughs> and then the other one attacks from the side? I don't think that that really happened, but you, the, that is the velociraptor in the movie. Yes, <laughs> you, don't think, you don't think the Hollywood version is real? <laughs> I don't. I'm glad that that's what you took away from that. Um, based on the extensive re- dinosaur research that I have done with Miles, um, I'm not sure. Velociraptors were likely 
more like the size of a large it was probably they probably were about the size of like a wild turkey okay so not that big and they probably didn't did they attack like the wolf pack thing yeah they they think that that's so because they were like small and pretty dumb they think that they probably like hunted in herds oh okay we're in packs that's so interesting okay is there any oh i think i'd have to go with the stegosaurus or the ankylosaurus because the ankylosaurus is the tootiest dinosaur tell me how they know that i don't know but it apparently was the gassiest one it's the tootiest yeah i thought you were saying like it I thought you were talking like an actual word was like studious. No, no you're talking about like farts. farts. Yep. Fartiest dinosaur. If you ever need to know, like just put that fact in your pocket the next time you need to impress a six-year-old boy that the Ankylosaurus was the gassiest dinosaur. I don't know how they know that, but. How would they find that out? That's good. That's good. I wonder. Yeah. Is there anything you can't or shouldn't put on a salad? Mm, can't or shouldn't. Gosh, I don't like anchovies, and I know you love anchovies. I wouldn't put that on a salad. A lot of people love them, but let's go. I like anchovies on a good Caesar salad. Yeah, that. Mm -hmm. But like something that's just obnoxious. I don't. I don't know. I guess you could put anything on a salad. This feels like that question of like, (laughs) is it a sandwich or is it a like everything is either a soup or a sandwich, right? Uh, Or everything is either a salad. This one has stumped me, quite frankly. I'm trying to think. You're like you will be. You're open-minded. Butter, good. Butter, good. <laughs> jam, good. Maybe not jam. Beef, good. Put- <laughs> What's not to love? What's not to love? Okay. With cream? Um, I mean, With cream, I, good. Yeah. <laughs> I could see someone even putting cool whip in a salad in the South. Let's, let's be uh, honest. Yeah. What fashion trend would you love to see? come back or one you wouldn't i definitely hope that skinny low cut jeans never come back or just low cut jeans in general i think that that's like a pretty universal um mood for like everyone over the age of 30 like please don't bring those back please don't bring those back what's one do you'd like to see though i don't feel like i have a good enough grasp to have one that i'm like waiting for there are a lot of the 90s trends that i'm like oh i really liked those shoes i loved the platform slides like the steve madden i loved those shoes and i was like yay they're making a comeback haven't gotten a pair yet but I love a good platform. I love a good wedge. And I feel like that's really having its moment again. Oh, you know what I don't want to see come back? Kitten heels. Never. I never. never. Or Why? a mule. Why were they around in the first time? Mules gross me out. I don't, I can't get on board, period, with mules. And along also, with like a pencil eraser for a, a heel. Yeah. Like, what's the point? It's just, I don't, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> um, I don't, I also don't like the baby doll tea trend that was like the oh, 90s. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Think of like only Gwen Stefani could pull uh-huh. off like a very small cutoff tank top or baby doll tea. Right. Do you have a favorite cookbook? <laughs> How to Boil Water, actually. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a cookbook? cookbook. It's a cookbook that like teaches you how to cook and right. the Martha Stewart cooking cookbook. Yeah. Because it like breaks everything down, which I always need. <laughs> I think my, so I, I do actually, we have like worked with Cassie Joy about, uh, with on her books and helping her promote them, but I do truly love them so much. I know you do. Mm-hmm. Cook once, eat all week. I cook out of every, almost every week. We're making a recipe from cook once dinner fix right now. I love them. If you have not checked out her cookbooks and Cassie is one of those people. She's the best human. Who is like, you think that she is cute and sweet on social media. She's so much cuter and sweeter in real life. She really is. Um, and they just redid their whole website, the whole Fed and Fit, Fit yes. website. So go check Brand it out. new website. I love her cookbooks. They're my, they, those are my two favorite like practical cookbooks that I can just like turn to any night of the week. I love my chicken soup cookbook. Um, I know it's the middle of July, but if you need a gift, 
idea. There's a cookbook called The Chicken Soup Manifesto that is truly just lovely. It has a handful of chicken soup recipes from every region of the world. It's so wonderful. And then I love Tina sent me the cheese baka, cheese baka. I'm going to mess that up because it's Italian cookbook from Nancy Silverton. Thank you, Tina. And that is like, that to me is like an aspirational cookbook. Like it has a shepherd's pie in there that's vented with a marrow bone. Oh my. Nancy. Oh, Nancy. One day we're going to have her on the podcast. Be on our show. Please meet us at matzah. Please make us a meal. Okay. So here's the thing about Nancy Silverton. I, unbeknownst to me, a couple, uh, during COVID, there was this couple who was doing this like Vietnamese food, kind of like underground takeout situation where they were operating out of the back of a restaurant that was not closed, that was closed at the time. It was a husband and wife and the husband, his parents were from Vietnam and, but the two of them had both been working in restaurants in LA and had like kind of gotten laid off and had to come back to Colorado. And right now they're in the works of starting a Vietnamese restaurant in Denver. I got this like takeout from them several times. It was so, 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 so good. Come to find that they had both worked at Matza. No. Today, so I follow them on Instagram and today she posted something. They had, they, the two of them just won like an award of like best newcomers to the scene sort of thing for Denver um, restaurants. And she posted something that was like talking about how going, you know, going back to working with Nancy Silverton. It says a lot of my creative confidence came from my time at Austria Mozza working with Nancy. She taught me how to be relentless when it comes to creativity. If you presented her with a dish at 5 p.m. on Saturday, be prepared to be weeded on your station because she wasn't going to stop tweaking your dish until she was satisfied, even with a board full of tickets. The dish was done once it became craveable. You want guests to crave that dish and have them thinking about it a week later. Like, oh, that totally makes sense. Like, like I'm still thinking about that meal two and a half years later. Still think about it. Yes. I just thought that was like a cool little tidbit given our fascination with her. Yeah. It reminds me of, there's this new show on Hulu called The Bear and it is so good. It's bear, all, like that Bear Week Bear? It's called The Bear. And it's about this family who owns a restaurant. Anyway, there's this whole backstory, but just watch it. You might get anxiety watching it because it's very fast paced. But if you want to know what it's like to run a restaurant, I've heard tons of articles talk about this show and how people who've worked in restaurants are like, this is beyond accurate of what it's actually like to work in a restaurant. And it's just a beautiful story. Got a lot of heart. The characters are great. It's it's a phenomenal show. It will kind of stress you out because it's very fast paced and there's a lot of like high stakes situations. Yeah. But yeah. no like blood, guts and murder. We don't need that right now. So it's yeah. like, it's really, I like characters that you fall in love with. And this is definitely one of those shows. All right. We'll answer a few more in the coming weeks. I love just having like a little trove of questions to refer back to yeah. at the end of the episodes. Thanks for being here with us this week, guys. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Ned. That's helloned.com h-e-l-l-o-n-e-d.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy for 15% off your first order don't forget they have a 30-day money-back guarantee add to your toolbox get some good sleep we love them give them a try you can find us on instagram at joy and claire underscore you can go to our website joyandclaire.com. it's beautiful you should check it out you can email us this is joy and claire at gmail.com we hope you have a fantastic week and we will talk to you next week bye guys